1: Welcome to Speaking Duck. I'm your host, Alex Ross. We are ending this second season with what I now call my friend, Jesse Valens, from season one when he was at the Dundas and Ossington, the Saint Tavern. Now he's at Gerard and Pape at Maple Leaf Tavern. He's also in Hamilton. He's also in Pickering. We're going to say why. I want to welcome my guest to a very special. And I'm sad that we're ending this second season, but I'm so happy. It couldn't be better than with jesse Valence. welcome jesse thanks a lot good to be here jesse you are always a busy guy mm-hmm. but now more than ever you're extremely busy mm-hmm. um, let alone have a six-year-old that you're you know constantly showing the world of, that is toronto dining and and i love hearing your stories you're in pickering uh, helping out the 10-year-old restaurant port yep. uh, with the same owners from maple leaf tavern yep. and of course maple leaf tavern is 955 gerrard east here in toronto but you're also once you know a month or, or twice a month i'm sure you're taking your day off and going all the way to hamilton where separate from maple leaf tavern you're part owner of a brewery yep merit yep jesse you're so fascinating to me just because you're just doing so much you're involved in so much how do you do it how do you take care of family have three restaurants essentially a brewery being one of them you know seven days a week it just explain you know do you even sleep i mean never sleeps network welcome like, <laughs> you, you fit just right in um,
0: i would say i sleep on most nights about six hours is what i can help for uh, i do take days off and i'm very mindful to work my schedule so that i have time off but at the same time in my position you're never really off I always leave my phone on. I almost always have my computer around because there is a text or an email that needs to be answered. I've sort of accepted that's always going to be part of my life and part of my days off.
1: When did becoming a chef also become essentially a business partner and when you know you think a chef usually walks into their office with their knives that's their tools you're now you have laptops you have your phone you have everything on top of also working and managing a kitchen
0: i think being a chef has always been part business if you're a cook if you're a line cook even getting up to you know management level cook if you're if, if you're a sous chef it's more about cooking once you get to chef it is just as much about business it's not and won't ever be just the creative aspect. You, you have to be equally concerned about money and w- where it's coming from and how much you're spending and all of
1: that. Did you have to learn that before culinary school essentially or your experiences learning like I I know you're a George Brown uh, student yeah well
0: when I went went to George Brown we did have classes on you know there was a class called food beverage and labor cost control we had a, a class on hospitality accounting we had a class on business math that being said when I went to George Brown I was you know 18 and 19 years old and I don't think any of it really registered or stuck how important it was it's not something that you really you have to experience it you have to work and realize why it's important yourself what were the
1: first um real experiences where you're like oh i'm not just cooking anymore like how did you know that you were the responsibility was was coming to you and you were accepting more than just which is already listen a line cook is already working 12 hour days mm -hmm. and now they're expecting you to do more are you you know at the point in your career where you're like okay i will do xyz on top of this but now i own part of your restaurant
0: well, no, it doesn't really come to that. You don't have to be a part owner or have uh, any sort of piece of the business to have that as a responsibility. When I got my first sous chef job, uh, which was a beer bistro back in, let say, 2003 at this point, a long time ago, part of my job was being partially responsible for food costs, obviously, along with the executive chef. But, you know, we would get a sales report every week and we would see. What our food cost was and how much money we had spent and where we were spending the money if you were high in an area you would get told about it and say hey you know why are you spending this much money on meat when sales in this category aren't matching that and so you sort of have to learn on the job that you know you have to track your purchasing you have to track your numbers you have to look at when product is coming in did the price go up And from there, you know, be in constant contact with with suppliers, looking for better prices, looking for cheaper ingredients that you can do more with and get more out of.
1: Yeah, and what's the special that week or that Mm -hmm. night based on, you know, what you need to get rid of or or what you have more of because things Mm -hmm. were on sale? Is it hard to say that most chefs coming into the industry aren't prepared for that side of the business? Or should they start to think if they're taking this seriously, like maybe their expectations of, you know, administration, you know, administrative work is going to be part of their career in one way, shape, or another, or can you just cook forever? And and are you still able to grow within the industry?
0: I'm not sure if I would say... In general, chefs are unprepared because I only know for, for myself. I wouldn't say I was completely unprepared, but I don't think I really understood the way everything worked until it became part of my job. I knew that, obviously, we want to buy product and sell it for approximately three times as much as we paid for it because that's the basic formula that makes you enough money to turn a small profit at the end of the year, which may seem like a large margin that you have to charge. But with everything that goes on in a restaurant, if you want to make 10% profit at the end of the year, you need to be charging three times, as far as food goes, most of the time. But I don't know if most chefs are unprepared, because I'm only one of them. It's definitely an an, an important
1: thing. So three years ago, we sat together and talked about your current situation which was the Saint Tavern Mm -hmm. Um, you've now moved it's been we released that episode around 2015 it's 2017 you're now at Maple Leaf Tavern for about how many it's been over a year
0: it has been I came on board with Maple Leaf in February 2016 so about 18 months now I guess
1: wow and what was that situation the move from the Saint to Maple Leaf Tavern can you tell us about you know we're talking about you know all the experience you get on the administration administration side now you're working closely with owners you know talk about kind of the role you had at the saint moving out of the saint and into the maple leaf tavern you know what what has your role changed is it the same what are your you know expectations from leaving the saint now working on basically reviving from the grave maple leaf tavern maybe you can talk about its history as well
0: so i was at the saint and the saint was was a good restaurant uh but it was a bit of a broken restaurant, even when, when when I got there, and not in that you couldn't go in there and, and have a good time. Like there, we we did a lot of great food at the Saint, and people had had a great time. But the area that it was in was not great for that. It was uh, the the, the, the Strip, which has some some great places. It's hard to make a proper restaurant have a go of it. I think in in that area. And then maybe now it's changed. A lot has changed in a few years, but there wasn't a, a great dining crowd there was a great bar crowd also with the the Saint was part of the King Street Food Company who you know they have buka they have Jacob's steakhouse they do all the the Jamie Oliver restaurants they have labanan which is where the saint was what changed over cuz the the saint closed shortly after i left uh, they're a fantastic restaurant group, but they've got so much going on. I, I don't want to give the impression that I, I don't like these guys or anything against them. I think that they're, they run some of the best restaurants in the city, if not country. Rob Gentile, who's, I guess, the brains behind Bucca, now the corporate chef for the group, I'd say is one of the top chefs in Canada, n- no question. The Buca, King Street, and Yorkville are, and Bar Bucca, the, the, the three of them are, are are awesome restaurants that I've never
1: had had a bad plate of food at. I want to check out Bucca because I'm not a big Italian fan. You um, turned me on to uh, John Sinopoli, Ascari, and Oteca, and I yeah. haven't looked back since because yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge fan of the rustic Italian, and I need uh, my pasta to be made fresh, like basically yeah. the same day, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the same hour that you're
0: walking in. I mean, if you want to talk about East End a little later, we can get in and, 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 and talk about that because I, I love Ascari as well.
1: Oh, for sure. And, uh, but, but even just talking about Rob Gentili and, and Buca it's... Out of the three bucas, which is the best to kind of for a first timer to go check out?
0: Bar Bucca, I would say, is the most most affordable, um, but you do get uh, an idea of what of what they're all about. Their Italian cuisine, their porchetta sandwich is amazing. Um, their coffee is fantastic. They have a great drinks list. Uh, you know, so Kingsbury Food also has Jacobs, you know, best steakhouse that I've ever been to. Uh, but they, had, Me too. they 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 definitely had a lot going on. And there was, I would say, some disconnect with the ownership and the management of the restaurant and myself about what we all wanted the, the saint to be. And that went on for the entire three years that, that I was there. I definitely worked very hard there. And then late 2015, I got a call about Maple Leaf Tavern, wanting to know if I had any interest. And, you know, I'm I'm always open to, to, to any opportunity. I wasn't necessarily looking per se, but I... Uh, had a couple of meetings with with Todd Morgan, who's the the owner operator of of Maple Leaf Tavern, and we had a couple chats, and I went out and cooked for him, uh, and then we had a couple more chats, and that led to to me taking over, and it's been a great career move for me. I I really love what Maple Leaf Tavern is and has become. I never ever went in there when it was. Uh, what it used to be, it used to be, and it's been around for over a hundred years. It used to be an old dive, the kind of place you would go to, you know, get drunk or get in a fight or get stabbed that, that kind of place. Um, and I've lived in the East end almost my whole life and i never, ever went in Hmm. the renovation. They did an amazing job. Um, I think the food we're doing is great. It's a lot of the, 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 the same feel of what I wanted to do at the Saint very much straight ahead food that everyone knows, but a much better version than you could ever make at home and everything made from scratch and everything made with, with a lot of attention to detail. And we've been taking a lot of good press, which is great because we've been working very hard. What's your role? So my role at Maple Leaf is executive
1: chef. And what is, so, is, were you the executive chef at The Saint? Yes. So what's the difference now at Maple Leaf Tavern than your the, experiences the, at The Saint?
0: The the difference of being with an employer who has two restaurants versus an employer who is a group of people who have, at this point, I guess, eight, nine restaurants, I'm not sure how, how many they have, is that we're a lot more focused on, on this. And Maple Leaf is the newest one, so we're all still a lot, you know, very focused on, on Maple Leaf. So it's our priority, as, as opposed to being just you know one, one link in a chain.
1: Maple Leaf is clearly not a dive bar anymore. No. From its dive bar roots, it's now basically uh, a picturesque kind of dining experience. Very open concept, yet private booth areas. Great patio, uh, which always has amazing sun exposure. Great signage. Your Décor is stunning. The open concept um, kitchen, even with your private dining area near the kitchen. Maple Leaf is definitely one of the more, you know, standout restaurants in Toronto based on decor alone. Uh, what do you think, you know, is the style of your restaurant? How do you explain what your restaurant looks like?
0: Yeah, that's, that's always time. I mean, we, we are a quote unquote tavern. And I think that can mean a lot of different things to, to to different people. Some people hear tavern and they think bar. And some people think tavern and they think sort of, you know, like old school, 1950s United States kind of going in and drinking drinking whiskey. Uh, some people might think Gramercy Tavern or Mineta Tavern, a, a, a higher end place. I think we might be sort of a, a mix of all three. We sort of say we want to be a neighborhood destination. It's we're not super high end. We're not Scaramouche. We're not uh, we're, we're not North, North 44. But at the same time, we want to put out really great food, you know, not be over the top expensive and just give people a, a, a really great time. I, I think that, you know, for for a tavern for that, so what the, the image that comes up in my head is that it's,
1: you know, the, the, the underlying thing is just warm, welcoming hospitality you're basically starting a restaurant from scratch i mean you specifically but also the fact that maple leaf tavern has this all new up hall. can you talk about the growing pains that you've experienced whether it's been with your menu or with your location or sure. prices like what I, you know we, we we talked about how you know not all restaurants are going to get the best press all the time you yourself have experience unsavory reviews you know the fact is you've only really been there for a year and a half uh for a restaurant that you're basically giving a new face to a new experience and it's the jesse valens experience and you know the funny thing is i talk to my friends like i love dining there and we recently had a really really excellent meal which which we can talk about but the point is when I tell people that you're not at the Seine anymore and you can get the burger that you got at the Saint now at Maple Leaf Tavern, you, you still have this ability to kind of take the Jesse Valen stamp and put it on Maple Leaf Tavern, but it's going to take time. What have been For, the growing pains? And
0: I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I, I have that big a name in the city that people are going to follow around to wherever I go just to get a burger. It is a very good burger. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, but we have the same growing pains as any new restaurant has or had or or still has we're only you know we we opened first week of May 2016 so you know we are just coming up on a year and a half so all the growing pains that a new restaurant has as far as budget concerns and and finding staff and you know making a menu and really you know setting your identity but trying to bring people in to get what you're doing without trying to please everyone we've we've got all that but then we're we're in a bit of a different neighborhood than you would think for a a restaurant of our level the east end has been as far as real estate has been gentrifying for a long time and has been getting better and better but restaurants i mean and this is someone who's lived in the east end almost his whole life like restaurants in the east end are in my opinion almost always only as good as they have to be what does that mean
1: what does that mean to you
0: a lot of places are not trying very hard. They're there to get a, a local crowd and get by, but they're not doing anything all that special. There's not, it's not like anyone from any other part of the city is going to come and eat there. They receive business because they're there and they're open because there's people in the area. But I don't find a lot of them doing very much to differentiate themselves or do anything better than than status quo. Now it's, it's definitely changing uh, in the last five years for sure. Uh, Not changing fast enough as far as I'm concerned, but I don't think that we are the first good restaurant in the east side, but I think that after a lull of good places, we
1: sort of came along at Maple Leaf and are trying very hard. Oh, you can tell. And the food is excellent. What do you have to say about reviewers or, you know, as an executive chef, do you even pay attention to that kind of stuff? Or, you know, we all, I also want to kind of talk about the subject of, you know, mid to high range dining for, experiences. For sure. as,
0: as far as reviews, I pay attention to the newspaper reviews usually. Um, we were very lucky to take... Great reviews from both Chris Nuttall-Smith and Amy Pataki. And I say very lucky and not that they happen to come in on a good night. It's happened to me before, and I've seen it with friends' restaurants. You can be an amazing restaurant with a super talented chef and a great team and have a critic come in on an off night. And despite how hard you're working, get a lousy review or get a middling review even. So... I think it's lucky that, you know, we are working very hard. We are pushing for it. And we took some great reviews. We were in Joanne Kate's top 10 new restaurants. We were in the t- Toronto Life's best new restaurants list. I pay attention to to that sort of thing. I don't read Yelp or TripAdvisor or anything like that. because I used to, but a long time ago, I don't because I find it, it just makes me mad. I bet. Everyone's entitled to, to, to their opinion. And, and they can have it and they can post it up there if they like, but I, I don't read them because, again, it, it annoys me. So I ignore that and the big publications I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention to. And then it's at, I just, just listen to our guests and, and try to make sure every guest is leaving happy.
1: It's great to hear that you're getting so well reviewed in the proper... Locations, the places that you feel are the most important to you. It, it must be tough kind of experiencing, um, uh, you know, the public opinion because not everybody sees the same thing as your vision or even, you know, diner to diner. It's always going to be um, someone else's experience based on what they deem is worth more or, or worth what they're paying for. What is your opinion when it comes to people who say that, you know, a dining experience for a burger let's say should be under $20 or or any kind of menu yeah. item that you have to justify what you know what yeah, do you I mean people? i
0: think that that's something that we've taken a lot of good <clears throat> and negative press on is the burger and our burger is uh is $20 on the menu uh, everything on the burger is is made in house the bun the the patty which is ground from 100 strip loin the processed cheese we make to go on on the burger the the condiments all all of that is made in house uh, which comes with with a cost and we're buying very good ingredients which come with a cost and there's labor which comes with a cost. 20 dollars is where we're selling it in order to turn a a reasonable profit Now if you're selling something like a burger, you're always going to get people comparing it to a cheaper experience. Well I can go to McDonald's and get a big Mac for, I don't know how much a Big Mac is now, six bucks, seven bucks, I don't know. They're
1: expensive. I've, I mean, considering what fast food to me is, yeah. you know, I'm not looking to spend $6 on a burger that doesn't even make me feel satisfied. It makes you feel sick. That's right.
0: I, I haven't eaten at McDonald's in, in, in a long time. I mean, me um, neither, it's, Jesse. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, but then we'll go to McDonald's and, and have that burger then. If, if that's, or come in and order something else. I'm going to say our burger is better than a Big Mac, objectively, fr- from my opinion. There might be people who who disagree, but it's not just the food on the plate that you're paying for in a restaurant, which I think is the the problem with a lot of the, the, the dining public in Toronto and probably the, the world over. Unless you're in a city like New York or Paris or London that has that huge population and who also has money, where that small part of them are going to have enough money to to dine out regularly and not really care about paying for a, a $20 burger, most, place, most people, when they come to, even to a place like Maple Leaf, may have saved up to come. And so for them, spending $20 on a burger is expensive. And the flip side of that, the problem is that they're seeing the cost of that as just the food on the plate and not the cost of anything else that goes into running a restaurant, which there are so many different costs. And I think, you know... I'm thankful for every guest that comes through, th- through the door. No one has to go to a restaurant. If you're hungry, you can go buy groceries. If you're hungry, you can go to Pizza Pizza and for $5 get just as full as if you were to come and get our burger for $20. So I'm thankful when anyone comes through the door. Because again, nobody has to. But at the same time, I think a lot of guests don't realize that when they come in, the second that they touch a piece of cutlery or touch a piece of linen or flush the toilet uh, or taking up time in a seat, they're costing the restaurant
1: money you got to pay for the price yes. of admission yes
0: it's the the price which the the price of coming and sitting in a nice looking restaurant that just had a several million dollar makeover and and the, the price of the people who are there and trained professionals there to make your food and serve and all of that that is part of the cost of that 20 dollar burger or anything else on the menu
1: what have been some of your milestones since you started at maple leaf tavern that you're really proud of or the goals that you set that you've achieved um, I think, you know, we've we've sort of
0: touched them already. We we've we've taken very good reviews. We were in some best restaurant lists. One thing I'm very proud of is that I was just asked to compete in gold medal plates this year. And uh, you know, that that's that's something that not a lot of chefs get to do. What is that? Uh gold medal plates is a a sort of competition in which uh I don't know exactly how many chefs, but chefs from all over the country compete in several cities and do a, a dish with a pairing. And the the money goes toward supporting our Olympic athletes. Do you know who else will be competing? Off the top of my head this year, I don't know everyone. I know that, I believe, David Lee from, from Nota Bene and Lorenzo Lissetta from George. You know
1: any past winners? Um,
0: I know David won a few years back. Cool. Uh, but I don't.
1: And also I think, you know, you're, you're very, very humble. And, uh, I think what you've done with Maple Leaf Tavern is extraordinary and it's definitely a one of a kind restaurant with that homey feel. It's like I've been, it feels like I've been there before, but it's a totally new experience. Every time I go in there, you know, whether I'm sitting at the booth or outside, I just, I have the feeling I want in a restaurant, but at the same time I can just sit at and watch the entire kitchen staff, you know, by myself like a creepster and just enjoy, you know, the experience that that your team is constantly moving and and you, when you have a restaurant that makes everything from scratch, I'm so glued to looking at a kitchen that just is in perfect kind of assembly line and working really well together. Uh want to give a shout out to your uh, chef de cuisine who you who you were praising when we had dinner the other oh, night. Oh for sure,
0: guys. He uh fellow named jackie chung he was my sous chef at the saint as well we've worked together for quite a few years now yeah he's he's great and he's sort of the the glue that holds holds that team together because he's there working with them more than i am um and making sure standard standards are met and and things are done right and you know it's, it's very important to have, to have a have a good right hand i enjoyed
1: the caesar salad uh which i know you bake the bread that you use the croutons for it's like an anchovy garlic dressing i shared a burger with you which is always the reason i'm really going there (laughs) um we did your sous vide and deep fried uh turkey leg Um, turkey wing turkey wing yeah. that's right uh we had the tomato salad as well uh what is new on the menu what, what have been some of your best sellers and and what's uh, also just quickly um i had the limeade mocktails which yep. a restaurant that can serve a good mocktail will have me every time All
0: right. <laughs> i didn't know that about you <laughs>
1: that's right i like a good mocktail i mean
0: th- the burger i would say is probably being our best seller since the start uh the burger our our lasagna the caesar salad and then we have our 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 wood burning grill that you mentioned uh we do a few different cuts off that but just the 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 strip loin that we're doing that is 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 also a a huge seller uh we do roasted cauliflower with with a cheddar emulsion sort of like a foam cheddar sauce those are and you think about it those are sort of like the most basic home canadian foods that A lot of people are very familiar with cauliflower and cheese, cheeseburger, steak, Caesar salad those have been our big sellers from the start and they're sort of always on the menu you know you just mentioned our, our tomato salads we're just in in the end of summer now uh going forward you know we, we've got we haven't changed the menu for fall yet but you know we've been having a couple meetings we're talking about doing some sort of game stew or a braised game dish bringing in duck or venison uh changing the the tomato salad to a, a roasted vegetable salad using squash and, and 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 other more fall and and winter vegetables you know, we, we we're doing a, a a cold soup right now. That you know, we'll have to change to a hot soup because no one wants to eat cold soup in 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 the fall and
1: winter. You're uh, also serving quite an extensive cocktail and wine list and a beer as well. You're you're really um, like like at the same, but especially here the the bar is is really the focal point as well yep. as the food. It's yep. really shared quite well. Yep. Um, do you have direct influence on say the wine and the beer because you're recently an advance cicerone yep. and you're a som yep. in w- what's your your, you know, uh, connection to the bar as, as the executive chef?
0: As far as cocktails and spirits, I don't have a lot of, uh, of input there. I, I enjoy them, but we our head bartender, Ben Lemieux, he, uh, he's really into that and sort of has taken the reins and is going with it. We also have a cocktail consultant, a fellow named Naren Young, who's a good friend of Todd, our owner, who he's at a place in New York called Dante's. Uh, and is uh, is very highly regarded in in, in the cocktail world world so but between the two of those guys our cocktail program and spear program is great I have a little input in in our wine program our sommelier uh, Stephanie Moore and our general manager Robin Kemp who also have a lot of experience with wine they they take care of most of that with the wine list we're being very mindful to try to keep prices down. We have a lot of bottles in and around the, the $50 range. We're trying not to charge too much because we understand it's a, it's it's still a neighborhood restaurant, and we want people to, to come in and to be able to have a bottle of wine. And, and you have a and, corkage. And, yeah, and, and we, we, we do corkage as well. Um, so if someone has a special bottle of wine that, that they want to bring in, then, then they can. Because to me, that, that that's what corkage is, is about. It's not buying a cheap bottle of Jackson Triggs Merlot for however much that costs, or buying a $12 bottle of wine to bring it in t- to save money. Right. And then with the the, the beer list, uh, I have a bit more influence in that I, I'll say, hey, you know, this is available at the LCBO, or we should be dealing with this brewery. You know, I have a lot of friends and connections in the o- Ontario brewing scene, um, which even since the last time we sat down in 2013 has just exploded. So for our, our draft program, we try to go... I don't want to say as local as possible, but with draft beer, freshness is, I mean, beer in general, freshness is extremely important, but draft beer, it's it's even more so. And uh, so we, we try to go very local with with our draft and our bottle selection. We can go a bit more international and, and, and benchmarks and that sort of thing. So I
1: have a bit more influence on the, the beer list. And you're working with that brewery in Hamilton, Merritt. Are they making an appearance at Maple Leaf at Tavern? Yeah, so
0: uh, Merritt Young Rival IPA. Uh, which is one of the the, the, the flagship beers. Is, uh, maple Leaf Tavern is the only place
1: outside of Merritt Brewing Company where you can buy that right now. And nothing goes better with beer than your sausages. And of course, you just recently catered an event for us, and we featured three of your amazing sausages. The Reuben, which I love putting on the grill just to heat it through, because the cabbage starts po- poking through. It's beautiful. Uh, we had the Maple Chili, mm-hmm. uh, which is an, a, a pork sausage. The Reuben's a beef. And the pork and dill and thank you so much the, f- the food's always amazing when it comes from you you are of course sausage league back to back to back champion that's when we were first talking and um on the last interview here on speaking duck and then recently they they pulled you back in you won again mm-hmm. uh, officially retired again mm-hmm. uh you know what uh, are you doing for maple leaf tavern sausage menu or their kind of beer menu or what are you combining what what is you know you, you teach courses at uh, George Brown too so I kind of want to tie all this in about you know you're, you're teaching sausage courses cheese pairing courses you're making still probably in my opinion the best sausage in the city at Maple Leaf Tavern um, you know you also do some courses with wine and, and beer and you being in advance um, Cicerone recently you know what what's going on with your, your experimentation how are you connecting all the things and, and let's talk about what you're teaching
0: um, I mean I would say so as far as that admin Maple leaf tavern the beer program and the sausages i mean they're they're completely separate but obviously it's it's holistic so they a restaurant is so they they, they affect each other but for our, our sausage program at at maple leaf tavern we uh, sausages are, are a big part of the menu that we you we always have five different sausages on offer and they're served in sort of small appetizer sharing portions and we have on the menu you know you can buy one you can buy three you can buy all five uh and we we sort of rotate them uh there, there's a few that are sort of signatures the 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 Reuben that you just mentioned our smoked duck sausage our grilled beef salami that are almost always there and but we 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 aren't tied to that we we change it up quite a lot and it's just it's it's a way to get get creative and and keep going Then we also make breakfast sausage for our, for our brunch program on the weekend we make breakfast sausage for our sister restaurant port and pickering which i'm also taking care of now we make sausage for a couple of restaurants to... Oh, really? To uh, serve themselves. Come on, can you talk um, about
1: those restaurants? I'm, I'm
0: not going to, just in case they're telling people that they're they're making them sure, they're, sure, sure, themselves, but it's, it's actually something that we uh, w- would like
1: to do more of. And you also just recently catered for us, and of course on top of the three sausages, you gave us this incredible cold press bologna that uh, grilled up perfectly and it reminded me of my Chicago 58 room roots uh can we talk about the 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 sausage program at george brown and maybe even the the cheese pairing program yeah i
0: mean those are two of the classes that i developed and i teach at at george brown the sausage program is a six-week class that every week you come in and make two different sausages with me. You get to take two, three kilos of sausage home every week. That's it's, pretty uh, good. That's a yeah, good deal. It's, it's, it's a great deal. Um, can I do it? Like anybody? Yeah, you don't any, have to be any, a any, to anyone can do it this, this, this is
1: a con ed
0: class, so students can take it. Uh, normals, as I like to call them, can, can take Normies. it. it's just, just like the, the average person on the street can sign up and go. I think you do have to take the... Culinary one, it's called at George Brown first before you can take any other oh, classes.
1: But prerequisite. Interesting. I'm not. I'm
0: not sure exactly how it works. Um, I also do the the cheese pairings class where it's it's part of another Con Ed program. What they call their their fromage program that has six different classes on cheese. You know, I've gone all through all six of them, and now, and now I, I teach the one. I've, I've taught a few of them, but I mainly only teach this one. Uh, it's a great program to get involved with. There's so much you don't know you don't know about cheese. And if you like cheese, I'd recommend taking just the intro class. It's a, a, a six-week class, once a week, usually on Saturdays or Sundays. Small um, groups? Um, up to 20-something oh, people can, can can be in the class. Really lots to learn. So the the pairings class is another six weeks. You know, we go through food and non-alcoholic beverages. We go through beer, we go through wine, we go through sparkling sweet and fortified wine, we ah. go through spirits, things like, you know, meat and cider, sake, other beverages, a lot of experimentation. That's fun. It is the most fun
1: class in, in the program. Sure. I would say it's
0: not the best class. The intro class is the best class because you'll learn the most, but the pairings is the most fun.
1: Have you had any, like, students come up and tell you how much they appreciate your class and how much they've learned? Like, are they these type of people? Oh, or are they
0: Some of them are. You, you, I have had people come up and say, hey, I, this class was a great time. I really enjoyed it. And it's, it, it's always It was nice to hear.
1: So you're spending time in Hamilton at Merritt, yep. Then you're in Toronto for Maple Leaf Tavern, and then you're going all the way to the east, yep. for Pickering's Port on a port. Yep. Let's talk about port because you're making food from Maple Leaf Tavern. The sausages, obviously, is is supplied there, but you're doing so much more to the menu, and you're you're also changing the mentality of of Pickering's diners, you know. And you're oh, bringing I, the Toronto vibe.
0: I, I don't know if 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 I would say I'm I'm changing their their mentality. So Port is, is a restaurant that uh, the, the same ownership at Maple Leaf owns, and they've had for about 10 years now. And it, it's a great restaurant, beautiful dining room, amazing patio, uh, right on Frenchman's Bay in Pickering. And uh, it has sort of been, been plugging along, doing its thing. It's It's been busy consistently over the years, but earlier this year we, we sat down and they wanted to know if we could take it in a bit of a different direction and if I would spearhead that and... I don't want to use the term bistro because I don't think you should use that unless you're talking about an actual French bistro. But that sort of feel—it's it, it, a big place. We've got about—we've got over 200 seats. We wanted to have a bit more, sort of simple but but very tasty food. I, I think if you go anywhere outside of a major city, their their dining scene is going to be dominated by and then therefore influenced by chain restaurants. Right. You know, I grew up in Scarborough. There were chain restaurants all over the place. Jack Astor's was seen as, as a good place to go eat. And the, the, not, not that it's a bad place to go eat, but it was seen as like the place to go eat. The Keg, Red Lobster, Casey's, Moxie's, all those places. They're, they're there. They're busy. And so anyone who is, has a restaurant in that area is going to be influenced by that. And so Pickering's no different. People come in and have a certain expectation of what a restaurant is or what a restaurant should be serving. And so even though we don't offer it on the menu, we'll come in and say, "Hey, can I have chicken on my pasta?" <laughs> "Can I have chicken on my salad?" And there's nothing wrong with either of those things. No. And I'm never going to say no to a guest. Totally. I'm not going to be my chest and say, "This is not what we're serving." Like I think that's a very silly attitude that, you know, most chefs don't have anymore anyway.
1: Yeah? Um, I agree go with the flow your customer it's not that the customer is always right but just like you want to make the experience as as positive as possible
0: but at the same time i'd also like you know sort of in return from the guest a bit more trust and like well let's just try what we're serving sure now, I don't think that I'm going to go in and change anyone's mind as far as like what their expectation of, of a restaurant is. The the only thing I can hope for is that we can make this menu and we can put out our experience and have people enjoy it and want to come back. So that that's what, what we're doing in Pickering. I think there, there's a ton of potential in that area for a great restaurant that's doing something different than, say, what, what chain restaurants are doing.
1: Where does your influence really start at? Like when the owners from Maple Leaf Tavern say we love Maple Leaf Tavern, how do we get a taste of Jesse Valens or a taste of Maple Leaf Tavern? to basically a city that you know there's a reason why Toronto always jokes about you know we're very situated we're very high expectations in a lot of ways where i would assume Pickering doesn't have the same expectations as Toronto in their dining experiences what's your experience dealing with Pickering diners you know is it more than just chicken on a salad is it is it you know hard to teach an old dog new tricks
0: well, I mean, it's yes and uh, y- yes to both questions. But I think you know, it's going back to, to what I was saying. I'm I'm not there to teach anyone anything. I think we're there to, to to please the guest only and not to educate people. If someone wants to be educated, they'll 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 let you know with the money that they spend. So with with, with them coming back to to your restaurant again, and so just let, you know, I'm not going out there to try to teach anyone anything else or how to dine the thing you know i'm going out there to sort of put together a menu and an experience that we we think is great and hopefully people are
1: receptive to it and and come back with a name like port are you serving some nice strong wines um, on it was it just the water that, that yeah, the,
0: the the name does come from the water although we do also have port
1: <laughs> great and, and, well, you're a lover of, of really bold strong wine I'm, I'm a lover of wine in general so you are always seen on social media snacktomus prime mm-hmm. posting about your post-service wine club yep i got to experience that last time that i, I bugged you for dinner <laughs> um you were just off, coming off service and we had a nice pinot noir I, I i rarely drink nice wines so thank you for that and and i was definitely poured uh very uh healthy glasses and and thank you for your generosity talk let's talk about the kind of wine experiences that you've been having getting to the point of being a sommelier and how you bring that to maple leaf tavern and your post-service wine club because you're basically bringing your own collection to your staff every time you have a shift
0: yeah i'm i'm a certified sommelier and uh i sort of did that for For a few reasons, you know, I wanted to be well-rounded in in food and beverage, but always had a big passion for wine, but found that I sort of stuck in in a little box of of what I liked and to, to have that goal to work towards. Forced me to go outside my box and learn about other areas that I, I wouldn't ever have gone to. Um, it was very re- rewarding. I met a lot of great people. Um, so it was great, especially for for, for contacts in, in the industry as well. But, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, I just call myself a, a wine dork because I really, hmm. really like wine. For sure. Um, like reading about it and drinking it and pairings and... All that sort of thing, and, and I, I buy a lot of wine. And I'll buy wine that I'm not planning on drinking right away. I'll just buy it and say, yeah, you know, I'll drink that one day. And so as a result, I'm sitting on quite a lot of wine at home. Uh, and I to, to sort of alleviate that, because I, I'm going to buy more, I bring a bottle in to the restaurant for m- most of the shifts that, that I'm there, I may believe, to drink myself and to share with the staff.
1: That's very generous of you. It's a nice treat, too. But uh, you, you mentioned to me last time we hung out uh, that you're not the only one bringing very nice wines to your restaurant. You you did mention that uh, the Getty Lee was also recently in uh, uh, bringing in a few nice Italian and French bottles of wine. Is that a success? Is that a is that a sign of success to you? Because to me it is. I mean, you're well, having
0: I, you're a bass player too. <laughs> yeah. So that that was nice. Um, I'm yeah, I'm a bass player. I, I I I'm a Rush fan too. So that was nice to to, to see. Getty Lee in there, I think it it's nice when any guest comes in with a special ball of wine and they've chosen our restaurant uh, so like I was saying, you know nobody has to go to a restaurant, so it's nice when he comes in. It's nice that a fellow like Getty Lee, who can eat anywhere he wants in the world, chooses to come in and and he's been in a few times now which which is nice and one occasion when he was there, he was at the table with 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 a mutual friend, and she called me over, and we sat down, and I had a quick chat with them for about ten minutes. Uh, but he's he's a very very polite and kind guest. He was very complimentary, said some nice things. I'm sure maybe if he if he had not nice things to say, he wouldn't have said them. But he was a very nice guest to to, to have in the restaurant. The fact that he knows really good food and knows really good wine and chose to come
1: to us was was a huge compliment. Anybody else walk through the doors that you've been super proud about?
0: off the top of my head and anyone's specific we're not really like a celebrity draw being where we are by by gerard square right um Gord downey comes in fairly often oh, i love that uh jim cuddy from blue rodeo
1: it's something about canadian uh, rock stars that I, I really I, like your I, restaurant. I think they all live in the east end is for sure is, is, is
0: the thing they all, sure. they all bought their houses when they were cheap and now <laughs> um but when when we get guests in from the the restaurant industry,'m I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. I mean, it to a certain point, it's stressful cooking for another chef because you know that they are going to they're going to know if, if you mess up or if if, 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 if if something's coming up short. But at the same time, like with, uh, with 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 Getty Lee that you know someone like that who knows good food, is coming to your restaurant to to have your experience that that that's a a big compliment
1: he's clearly a man that enjoys the finer things he's worked hard and and he's a very intelligent guy you can Mm -hmm. definitely tell most bass players are Uh, another uh person that you have to impress on a regular basis who seems to be very very well head of the game is your kid (laughs) fergus six years old uh are you showing him kind of tv shows on food is he on the the food no, network or are you just no, taking him around no. the city for experiences how does he you know get to enjoy food with you not just you know obviously he can't be in the restaurant what kind of adventures are you two having
0: um no we we don't watch food network i i haven't watched food network in years uh, i don't have cable i just just have netflix at, at this point yeah youtube so we, you know we, we watch paw patrol
1: oh i'm sure um, you do yeah yeah <laughs> almost, um, exclusively. Uh,
0: almost exclusively almost <laughs> exclusively you know spongebob makes an appearance sometimes oh okay, well, that's good i really yeah.
1: like spongebob
0: <laughs> uh you know, I, I don't want to give you the, the impression that he's he's some prodigy gourmand because he likes he likes cereal and cheese and crackers and macaroni and cheese and... and sure, but Lip, he, he also knows what he likes. Lipton instant soup is his newest discovery. <laughs> but, you know, falafel is also one of his favorite foods. Right. Uh, we, we have uh, down the street from us a great little shop called Shawarma Frenzy which uh if if you ever see it it has one of the best restaurant signs I think in 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 the city um but they you know they make great falafel shawarma and we, we I, I pick them up from school once a week and 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 take them there for lunch uh fat Patch is one of his favorite restaurants oh, so good um you know, they, Anthony Rose. They, you know I, I, any of anthony's restaurants are, are are great you know if I had unlimited time and money and caloric intake I would probably spend all my time at at his his collection of places for sure He's definitely made his mark on Toronto. Oh, he has. He has, for, for sure. And, you know, Fat Pasha is, is their, their falafel, I think, is definitely
1: the best in the city. Oh, yeah, the balls themselves, like, but anything to pair with them, even that, that cauliflower dish and the, and the, mm-hmm. the falafels, just those two dishes just go in, and it's a, the perfect lunch.
0: Yep. But, you know, he's, he likes, uh, you know, he, he, he always wants to come to, to Maple Leaf Tavern and, and, and have, have a burger, or if you're coming to brunch, he wants waffles. Um, he likes Thai food really Thai food when, when we order in Thai food he says the the noodle man is coming
1: the noodle man is coming uh, and actually, you know I'm I'm
0: friends with with Alan Liu who owns Salad King and so he's been over and so he thinks Alan <sighs> is the, the noodle man
1: like the actual noodle man I'm a Ryerson grad funny, yeah. so Salad King's my jam yeah, it's
0: a great place uh, I mean he, he he likes milder Thai, Thai food he, he doesn't like anything really spicy obviously he's, he's six years old
1: well, that's good. I was going to ask, like, how's this spice intake? Because no, even falafel can be spicy.
0: No, he, you, no, we, you we we don't get, get keep hot it on sauce. the mild He's side. he's he's pretty open. but At the same time, he's a six year old. He's got this sort of nitpicks that a lot of six year olds have. Yeah, uh, but he's 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 pretty open to to trying things, and I, I I like it.
1: And when Fergus stays at home, and you're and you're taking the lady out for dinner, and he knew restaurants in Toronto or any kind of spots you've recently been checking out that you uh, would like to talk I've, about?
0: I've had really good meals recently. Um, i trying to think when we've had, had a babysitter. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jacobs, we, we, we get to a few times a year, and we, we were there a couple months back. I always have a great meal there. The best steakhouse, um, for sure.
1: Just their poppers. I just want to eat
0: their poppers. Yeah, everything. <laughs> we were at Brothers fairly recently. Tiny little spot at Bay and Bloor had a really nice meal, great eclectic wine list uh, for, for, for someone like me and, and, and well-priced, really, really nice, simple food, great experience there. One one of those places that it's, it's really the, all those parts put together makes it what it was. The fact that that, that it's a tiny little space, the fact that it's packed the entire night, because it really only seats about 20 people and there's constantly people coming over, you know, there's two guys in the front who are serving and taking orders and talking to every guest in the room and uh just had had a very nice time it recently got some
1: really good write-ups uh voted
0: it's 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 been constantly getting great write-ups and yeah i think the toronto life said it, it, right. it, was, it was the best new, new place in the city
1: what are they serving what did you eat there
0: uh we ate a uh seabream crudo we had a oh, wow a su- suckling pig we had sweetbreads, small plates um, Medium plates, Me- medium I guess. Medium plates, yeah, yeah. shareable stuff, yep, though. It's yep. all
1: shareable.
0: Uh, had a few meals recently at the, the bar at Aloe, which yeah, is a great that's... place. I, I haven't made it into the, the, the main dining room for Aloe, but I think the, the bar at Aloe is... Uh, Super cool. ...is great. And the, the pork belly
1: dish is fantastic so is it a the tasting menu is the dining experience because i've yeah. done the tasting menu yeah uh, but the bar i can just go a la carte yeah
0: the the bar is walk-in only and they okay. they have a small a la carte menu really um reasonably priced yeah, yeah. I, I i would say so yes interesting okay um, i gotta go check that out then uh, you know and i've been and had a snack or two and a glass of wine but i've also been um you know with 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 the lady and ordered six seven things and, and share them all and got a bottle of wine and all that so you, you can do a great experience there too
1: well i want to thank you for coming on and, and getting an update and we'll, we'll have to have you sooner in than, than we did last time um i did just want to talk about one last thing with you uh, a little birdie told me that you have quite an affection towards james barber <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there anything that you've uh, recently? I know he's been not with us for almost a decade now, and oh, I, uh,
0: I wouldn't say I, I have an affection, but with with a few friends. I mean, did, did you ever used to watch The Urban Peasant? Of course. Okay, so, um, you know, he was during that time with with Pasquale and and Walk with Jan that I make the joke that if if you watch that if 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 that show came out today, if The Urban Peasant came out today, it would be on Comedy Network. <laughs> Why is that? We could, well, have, have you have you watched For him? Sure. sure, he's very eccentric. Um, I'm sure he was a a great guy who loved his kids and <laughs> and did nice things, <laughs> and you know he inspired people to to cook. Sure, which is great. Yeah, um, but if you go back and and watch his cooking now, and look at those some some of those those recipes now. I just think it's absolutely hilarious that 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 made it onto TV as as a cooking show.
1: Now, is it because his final products were just like not appealing or very basic? No, just
0: n- n- not appealing, slop like sloppy, sloppy to the point where he was dangerous to himself.
1: I think. Why do you think we were not like aware of what was going on at the I, time?
0: I don't know. I, I think that we didn't have the internet yet, or or the the internet was was in, in its early days, and people didn't have as much exposure to to cooking shows. I mean, when when I don't. I think the urban peasant came out in the late '80s. Sure, uh, if not early '90s, there was no Food Network. Right. You know, it, it, it was a time when when people were mildly excited versus obsessed with food as as they they are now.
1: Would you ever do something like that? Go like, on TV? Yeah. Do you like television? Or you know, I know you're a kind of guy. That, like I'll do anything. I,
0: I, well, I'll do anything to a certain point. I think I'm more comfortable in the kitchen than than on TV. If there was a good show that i was good for
1: why not we the, should like start sausage league the tv show
0: no like a re- reality show maybe i don't more know more like I, a competition know, like, work, show these work some, some 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 drama in there
1: yeah well <laughs> i don't think you need to do to work any drama between chefs there's enough uh, already worked in but the, the truth of the matter is that collection of chefs are just so friendly and fun yeah. well, and
0: sausage league doesn't happen anymore so we, we, we would have to have to
1: restart it it might be in, worth in, in it. order for that Jesse Valens, I, it, you, you'd I, be the I, host. I
0: would love an old kind of cooking show that okay. that was like like about teaching people to cook and getting people excited about food, which maybe Urban, urban Peasant was. Sure, um,
1: you have to think who's watching that yeah, too, right?
0: Definitely, but I I think you know I think we we touched on this in, in the the last time we talked was that I really liked the early days of the Food Network. With guys like Emeril and guys like Ming Tsai and guys like Mario Batali, with 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 his first show, where you could tell they really liked food and they really liked what they were doing and liked to cook, and they they they, they were teaching you something and sharing their passion with you. It wasn't just what the the Food Network is now with competitions and overeating right. and and uh, you're right and and drama. You know, like totally. there, there's unfortunately there was no drama on The Essence of Emeril except for him saying "bam," right? You know, and. That, that got people excited at, at, at the time. But at, he was you know sharing his passion with, with people and teaching
1: people something about food. Has anybody approached you or your publicity? No, and, I, and said I, I, I don't like think have
0: a face for, for, for TV.
1: <laughs> well, just like me, we have the perfect faces for radio. Fantastic. I want to thank Jesse Valens from Maple Leaf Tavern, from Port, from Merritt. He's all over the Ontario landscape, and you can catch his food uh, at MapleLeafTavern.ca to contact Jesse for catering, for your events. Come check out this beautiful, stunning venue at 955 Gerard East. Thank you, Jesse Valence, for coming on to another episode of Speaking Duck.
0: Thank you. My pleasure. Never Sleeps Network.